State Chiefs head coach Andy Reid says he's optimistic that wide receiver Tyreek Hill will play Sunday against Oakland. At the half, Virginia Tech leads number three Michigan State 32 to 28 in college hoops. I'm Dan Byer. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. It's awesome. But inside here, it is delightful. It's beautiful. Falling snow to a blanket of white. Okay, shut up. No one cares about your weather reports. Eric Franson, I'll take Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, it is the full court press. People are skiing already. Ski resorts are opening up this week. Oh, this is back to where you uh, take like two to three hours off every day and go skiing with your kids again, huh? Only if it's a big powder day. You can find the full court press at 1069thefan.com. You can find all our previous content, past content, our archive content on... Uh, future content? Future content <laughs> on, <laughs> on on all our podcast platforms, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Just type in the full court press, Eric's name, my name. You can find uh, whatever Aggie content your heart desires. We have even press conferences. We'll post that actually uh, later in the evening for you to be able to listen to tonight or even tomorrow. Uh, Utah State football uh, has one game left in the season after a absolute clinic by Boise State and a dismantling of, of Utah State's football team offensively and defensively. Boise State put on an absolute show uh, for all the fans in attendance. A chunk of them are Boise State fans who were uh, left in the stadium with the final seconds ticking off the clock. We'll get into that game and uh, in the in the recap of it. We'll also have audio from Coach Gary Anderson, Cameron Haney, and, of course, Caleb Rep, uh, who will conclude their careers as Aggies uh, after what we hope is the bowl game um, in December. For USU men's basketball, they go to the islands of Jamaica and sweep the Classic itself. After coming back from 19 to beat LSU, they then had to come by behind again not by 19, but still against a gritty, gritty, gutsy, just hustle, all-out North Texas Mean Green basketball team who gave Utah State more than they could possibly handle. 68-59 is your final score. Utah State goes on an 11-0 run. They stay at number 15th in the AP poll uh, and will have St. Mary's this Friday night at the McKeon Pavilion in Moraga, California. So in the... In the uh, AP poll, Utah State basketball remained unchanged with where they were the week prior. So they're still 15th in the AP. They did move up one in the coaches. Coaches didn't have them as high. So they're 15th in both polls right now. Uh, so not not a lot of movement. Not a lot of teams ahead of them lost. But um, Florida uh, is a team who did get some wins over the weekend, and they're back into the top 25 in both polls, and that's a future opponent for Utah State. So keep an eye on the uh, the Florida Gators. Yeah, that Florida team's kind of interesting. They've had a sort of up-and-down season. Lost to Townsend, lost to Connecticut. Oh, no, tell me, they lost to, they didn't lose to Townsend. They beat Townsend by six, but they lost to Connecticut, and they lost their season opener as well. Lost to they? Florida State, yep. the opener. That's yep. the other one. 
Uh, St. Mary's is getting votes. They're close to cracking the top 25 in the AP. Yeah, after They're still a little bit out from the coaches, but they are receiving uh, votes in both polls. After their opening loss to Winthrop, they have uh, gone on to win out since then. This game at St. Mary's should be a dandy. Uh, we all remember last year when St. Mary's faced Utah State Aggies. Everyone thought St. Mary's would run and roll over the Aggies as a speed bump. Instead, the Aggies walked out of there uh, with a monstrous, monstrous 20-point win making their head coach, I love telling the story, but he looked up at the Jumbotron at the end of the game, and uh, I'm quoting here, but he said he kind of mouthed it out, but what the heck just happened? Yeah, it, they got embarrassed by Utah State a year ago, so you know that's on their mind. They have A lot of the guys on that team from last year are back. Uh, they want to challenge uh, to be the top in the West Coast Conference, even though Gonzaga is still very, very good, but... Uh, that that's going to be a real test. And then there's the other question going into that game too is the health of Sam Merrill. Uh, he tweaked his ankle in Jamaica. He wasn't real productive in the first half uh, against North Texas, so he's a little banged up. Uh, and also, will we see Namiish Keta this week? We still don't know officially. Uh, we've according to the timelines, it looked like he'd be kind of on track to maybe play in Jamaica. He didn't. Will he play this weekend? I don't know. It's one of those wait and see. Yeah, it's here's the thing. This team's doing all of what they've done so far, being eight and zero, without Namiyash Keta, this top ten draft pick of an NBA center, and they've been this good thus far. I don't see why you put him out there against St. Mary's. In fact, I almost think you wait maybe till conference play. Uh, not San Jose State, but Fresno State on December 7th. Right. You want to wait and give Nerman Cato enough time to <laughs> be available and be healthy. Yes. Tapes to help yes. Sam Morris. Oh, you're the best. Justin Chili and <laughs> Fonzie Fonzarella for this uh, Utah State basketball team if you to are, keep rolling. If you're a Tribune subscriber, <laughs> unsubscribe and become a Cash Valley Daily subscriber for life. Right now, do yourself a favor and don't waste your time with such horrific content. Okay, so I didn't catch this originally. I saw all this oh. stuff going on on Twitter last night. Eric, I'm like, what? What's going on? You would have gone mad. All these Aggie you fans gone are throwing nuts. crazy things. Like, and they keep tagging the Tribune. I'm like, I clearly have missed something. <laughs> So, uh, of course, after the Boise State loss, um, in fact, I gotta, I'm gonna pull it up here just to make sure I don't. After the Boise State loss, it, Tribune writes an article based, you know, pretty much ripping on. Oh my gosh, that, I got these ads like popping up right on my screen. Don't you hate that? Yes. When you're just trying to do something, you got like, ads. <laughs> we gotta talk. Holy to cow! Okay. Anyways, there we go. Um, anyway, so after the Boise State loss. Uh, they had, <laughs> they had this, uh, Psych Tribune want to come out and put out an article, uh, about what, you know, about the recap of the game and the struggles that Utah State's having, especially on the defensive side. And, uh, I, I've got to be honest, it, <laughs> it blew my mind when I read the title of the article. I'm still trying to, where is it? I got it. Uh, let's see here. I have it. I'm sorry. I really am sorry. I have it, but it's from the Salt Lake Tribune. I think it's from their sports side. I can't even find it. I don't even know where it's at. Doggone it. Well, summarize. Anyways, they say they call David Woodward, right? He's out for the season. They said without David Woodley, 
And it was like, excuse me, I mean, did you just call him David Woodley? Oh my god! Did you just call a kid who's uh, at the time a Buckus finalist? Well, uh, I guess uh, watch list, I should say. Did you just call him Woodley? And then in the article, of course, as we all know, uh, DJ Williams had two unsportsmanlikes. He gets disqualified. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, he gets. Oh, and they've actually. Uh, no, never mind. I thought they deleted it. Never mind. They didn't. They they don't have the knowledge to be able to delete a tweet after they know they, they're wrong. Um. Anyways, they 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 I they called him not even close. I think it was like Josh Lewis or something. Like they weren't even like they got DJ wrong and they got the Williams part wrong and they called him like Josh Lewis and said, "Yeah, you know this guy so and so, Josh Lewis got a jet." And I was like, "What? What? What game are you watching?" And then and then they uh. After uh, Utah State beats LSU, comes back from, was it 19 19 down? points down, yeah. Do you want to know what they, uh, oh, they called him Josh Calvin. DJ Williams. Josh Calvin. Josh Calvin. Hmm. That's. I don't remember seeing him get ejected. I don't even know who that is. And uh, by the way, they have actually deleted the tweet finally today. It took today to delete that tweet, by the way. But then. Uh, when the Aggies came back from 19 down to beat LSU, their title of the article, Utah State Aggies shoot under 40% for the first time all season. <laughs> that was the title of their article. Oh, Really? How about rallying from 19 points down to beat an SEC team? Nope. Utah State... Held to forty percent shooting for the first time for the first time this season. <laughs> oh, oh, Tribune, fire everybody who's employed there and try to redo everything that you're doing. Uh, no, it's just uh, yeah. So, anyways, and then uh, they just get names wrong. So then someone sends out a tweet, and and the thread was incredible of of what the Salt Lake Tribune would say after last night's win, and they're so good. They are the replies are awesome. Uh, to, <laughs> like, for example, like you said, Norman Cotero hangs out at the pole with a floaty item. Yeah. Uh, most, most obscure, most bizarre. <laughs> it, it, it was great. It but was really, really good it, To the game itself, or to the two games in Jamaica, yeah, they were close games. Utah State was f- flat, no really other way to say it. LSU was making shots they don't normally make. And for the first time this season, Utah State faced a, a team that had a lot of athletes. So it took them some time to figure it out. But let's give credit to the adjustments that they made and how they dialed up their defensive pressure and how Sam Merrill took over and uh, Diego Brito had great moments. And then in the North Texas game, Alfonso came through and had a huge second half. There's a lot of great things the way Utah State were able to pull those two wins out. Yeah, North Texas isn't great. Uh, it's surprising that they were even that close in the game. But it, it the, the role players really stepped up and had uh, key moments and key stretches for Utah State basketball. It just illustrates the depth of this basketball team. No, it really does. And, and that's the thing you got to remember is, and by the way, uh, you can find my my thread of notes that I do, uh, thanks to the Me Relations Department. Uh, I do it on Twitter, at AJ Salvi. Uh, that's one of the things that stood out to me, that the reserves 
of for Utah State outscored North Texas bench. And they I'm just looking for the number right here because I don't want to get this wrong. I'm sorry, I should be more prepared. Uh the final on the bench was like what, thirty six to four? I think I I think that's what it was versus LSU. Uh it was on the bench, it was thirty four to nine. Versus North Texas, it was thirty-six to four versus LSU. They've outscored the opposition's bench in every game this season. It's incredible. It's a deep bench. It was a little bit of a shorter bench Sunday. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a deep rotation. Not a lot of guys. Matt Dorius didn't even play. Saw time. Um, so that I found that a little bit interesting. But yeah, they played one, two, three. I mean, your starters, right? Were Merrill, Bean, Cuba, Porter, and who's the other starter? I'm missing one, ain't I? Bean, Cuba, Porter, Miller, and Merrill. That's, yeah, that's, there you that's go. five. The only two to come off the bench, Brito and Anderson and Berstow. And Berstow only played two minutes, though. So, I mean, Diogo yeah, played 35. Alfonso played 31 minutes. Those are starter minutes, Eric. Cuba only played six minutes. Oh, that was versus LSU. Sorry. Uh, well, Cuba, uh, he played 10. He didn't play a lot. Yeah, Cuba played Bear 10. Bear still played 10. Alfonso played 31. Brito played 33. Yeah, both of them had double digits coming off the bench. Anderson had 19 points, five rebounds, two steals. Uh, Brito, 15 points, four rebounds, three steals. Those guys were huge. You know what's crazy? is for And, and this is how gritty this USU team is. Look at all the droughts they went on. They had like a, I mean, a five and a half minute drought. They had a four and a half minute drought at one point. They were they were over their last ten. They were over their last seven for uh, a span there. I mean, they just couldn't get any. They had some good looks and just could not get them to fall. Especially Sam Merrill, uh, who in this game he was held to points wise five points. That's the, in fact that breaks his twenty seven game streak of having double uh, double digits. In the scoring column, and he had five points, and they still won by nine and went on an 11 0 run. Yeah, the way they closed that out. And yeah, just that final. Impressive. Held North Texas to, uh, without a field goal in the last 4 11. Yep. And, and really, there were things that were going on before then that led to that. Utah State, even though the shots weren't falling, they kept attacking the basket, they kept getting fouls, they kept going to the foul line. And so they were able to put up free throws, which stopped the clock, reset some things. and But then North Texas started getting in foul trouble, and they had to kind of be a little more careful uh, about what they were doing. Um, and so, uh, you know, Bell get fouled out for them. Uh, so they, they were able to continue to put some pressure on North Texas. I mean, the, the 22 personal fouls to Utah State's 12. And it just shows you that Utah State was the aggressor. Yeah, that's incredible. That 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 that's what really amazes me the most. And by the way, Aggie shot twenty two of what twenty eight from the line. Is that right? Uh, free throws attempted and made twenty seven for thirty four. And North Texas was six to seven, <laughs> and you won by nine. Yeah. So that I mean, and that's I mean that could be more negative there than positive. Well. I mean, you're you're not fouling them, and you're being the aggressor. You're in attack mode, and you get to the line. 
27 points came from the free throw line. So North Texas did a better job of making their shots. Utah State did a better job of doing what needed to be done to win the Closing game. Closing out a game. Yeah. Utah State's a perfect 7-0 and on the year, Eric, marking the best start for the Aggies since uh, USU started 8-0 in the 61-62 season. The 7-0 and record, so I said they were 8-0, sorry, the 7-0 and record is also tied for the fourth best start in school history behind, of course, that 8-0, 61-62 team, and then two teams who started 9-0, the 19-17-18 team and the 38-39 squad team. That's what's on the line this Friday night at McKeon Pavilion in Moraga, California versus St. Mary's Gales. Eric, is if they beat St. Mary's, I know this is an early, like an early bold saying, go bold or go home, but is this the greatest team ever in Aggie history? Uh, well, to this point in the season, uh, I think you have to say yeah. Um, but again, it's just, we're still early, uh, and there's still more games to be played. But it certainly has the potential to be. Stu Morrill had some great years with, with lots of wins, had a 30-win team. But that team didn't really play anybody. No offense to the Big West, no offense to what they were trying to do with their scheduling, but there were just wasn't a lot of tough teams on the schedule that year. And so what this team is doing now, and I hope people appreciate it, this is this is special, and it doesn't come around very often. Their lone Division One home game until January is December is December seventh versus Fresno State. In that span, I believe they play three home games: Saint Catherine on December tenth, Fresno State, and then their uh, home versus Evergreen on December twenty eighth. That's it. That's all you get. You had the five home straight games to start, and now they're on the road for a chunk of it in a brutal and really a brutal traveling schedule until January when conference play gets underway and things kind of get back to that routine sense for them. And, and that's something that I'm sure they're looking forward to as well. That's that's a brutal, brutal road schedule they got coming up. Uh, I want to get your thoughts later on about Utah State football and just the, I mean, if I I'm just going to say a buck kicking they took. Yeah. At the hands of Boise State, who yes. came ready to play. Uh, we'll get that because you got to check out for the 5 o'clock hour. So we'll get that here later on in this hour. I want to start here in the top 25 football action. On the, We'll move to the gridiron uh, side of the college athletics. Uh, Ohio State, 28-17 winners over Penn State. I, I believe and I feel like, Eric, that solidifies their spot as of right now into the college four football playoff. Yes or no? Even if they lose the Big Ten title game. I was going to say, do they need to win out? Um, I don't know. It may have. Because even if they lose, it'll be to a, at that time, um, if they lose to Michigan, it'll be their top 10 team in the AP. Um, So I don't know if it solidifies their place or not. But... They're the way that they're playing. I don't see that they're not going to be there. Uh, meanwhile, oh, lost the place. Meanwhile, Georgia squeaks by Texas AM 19 13. Alabama just barely gets by Western Carolina 66 3. Uh, and looking at that, Eric, Alabama 
playing for style points? Is it going to help him enough? As of right now, looking into a crystal ball for tomorrow night's uh, playoff rankings that come out, is it enough to help them keep that position at five? I don't know that that game alone really matters, will make that much of a difference to the committee. I think maybe to see that, okay, they don't have Tua, they can still score. Okay, great. But um, I, for me, it's I don't know that if, if Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, or LSU have done anything to not be in the top four. Uh, amen. That's and a I don't know that point. Utah has necessarily done something to enough to leapfrog Alabama. Oregon, uh, speaking of Utah, they were absolutely devastated by this loss. Arizona State at Sun Devil Stadium gets by Oregon 31-28. Oregon's going to fall humbly in the uh, AP poll. In fact, they do. They drop all the way to 14th, Eric. They dropped huge drop spots in the AP poll. How much damage do you think they take in the playoff poll tomorrow night? Uh, probably something similar. Uh, what really is difficult here is how it affects Utah. Yes. And I heard some people kind of excited that Oregon lost. No, that's no. not good. That's, you know, for the Pac-12, you needed them to win. And you needed Oregon and Utah to face each other in the Pac-12 title game for either one of them to have a chance to play in the college football playoff. Because now there's nothing to really help their 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 position yeah, nothing to prove dramatically enough more. I mean, now, to move them up. I mean, it does help that Utah's lone loss was against USC, and now they're in the top 25. That helps. But who has Utah beat? It's a top 25 opponent. I mean, what's their best win? I, well, geez, their BYU? best win? BYU? Yeah. I mean, really, I what is Utah's yeah. best win? No, that's, that's a great point. And you have to compare that to the other teams ahead of them. What are their best wins? Some of these teams have multiple top 25 victories. Some of them have multiple top 10 victories. I, I just don't see, unless somebody ahead of them stumbles, I don't see a path for Utah to get into that top four. One of those, the teams ahead of them have to lose. Now, granted, some of these teams are going to play each other. LSU, Georgia, Alabama, they're, they're going to play each other. And there's going to be some movement there, but is it going to be enough for the Utes to get in? Ah, I just don't know. I don't. I might be I asking see too it. much. Yeah, that might be asking just a little bit too much. Speaking of teams that could leapfrog him, uh, Oklahoma uh, gets uh, gets by TCU twenty eight twenty four. Oklahoma improves as ten and one overall, seven and one. Yeah, in the but Big Oklahoma 12. they've been squeaking by with their defense, which I guess isn't. Bad, but, but here's the problem, Eric, is that dominating teams like Utah's dominating teams. But they're and, and the Big Twelve title game might be more attractive to the eyes of the committee than the Pac twelve title game will be now. Yeah. Well it's true. Could could be Oklahoma and Baylor, right? Yeah, Baylor right now they sit at fourteen uh in the in the rankings. Is that correct? No, they were eleventh in oh, the AP 11th. and tenth in the coaches. So they jumped up a huge amount of spots then because they beat Texas 24-10 and proved to 10-1 as well, 7-1 in the Big 12. Uh, this is just, I mean, it's pure chaos. I'm just trying to figure it out right here as I stare at it. And, and, and I guess nothing will really make sense until conference championship weekend, right? Because uh, then you got uh, 19 Cincinnati, 18 Memphis. That's big for Boise State after beating Utah State. They and they on play the each other this Saturday. And may play each other again. Come Excuse conference. me, they play each other Friday. Friday night, yep. 
Friday they, afternoon. They might see each other again in in the uh, in the conference championship. Meanwhile, Boise State gets Colorado State four and seven, three and four uh, is their record. Boise State, uh, we all know the story there. They are now playing for a conference championship uh, versus Hawaii in two weeks. Uh, Ohio State, as you mentioned, they'll get Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is not beating Ohio State yet. Let me ask you something. They are nine and two overall, six and two in the Big Ten. They might get to the Outback Bowl. Is Jim Harbaugh going to get axed for not beating Ohio State? He shouldn't. I mean, he's got his team back up into the top ten. Yeah, he hasn't been able to be win the the big games, but he, he his team's improving. They're still a good team. I don't think he should get axed. I think he should get axed just because I don't like him. <laughs> I just, I mean, the way he acts sometimes is so annoying. Uh, Alabama and Auburn. This is a big one as well. At Auburn, by the way, who sends an eight and three, four and three in the SEC. Alabama, of course, ten and one, six and one in the SEC, and will not be officially will not participate in the uh, SEC championship now. As LSU will be that team to do so. On the other side, it will be Georgia, who, by the way, gets Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. Uh, three and eight is the Yellow Jackets. Uh, later in the uh, day, Wisconsin plays Minnesota. Big Big Ten matchup. Twelve versus ten. Wisconsin twelve. Minnesota ten. Or actually, not. That's not correct. Hold on. What's what is uh, Minnesota ranked right now? Uh, Minnesota is ninth. Sorry, and Wisconsin is thirteenth. Yeah, Minnesota is ranked ninth in both polls. Notre Dame's will be at Stanford. Uh, Notre Dame currently sits as a independent team. They're fifteenth or at nine and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's our uh, what's our primetime game? Do we have one? Oh, it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oh, it's the uh, what is that? The Bedlam battle. Mm. Oklahoma's number ninth, not not ninth, but they're uh, what are they seventh, eighth? O- Oklahoma is seventh in both polls. Right? Holy cow! So they're nipping at the hills of Utah versus Oklahoma State. That's at Oklahoma State. So what and you Oklahoma need? Oklahoma State is twenty first in both polls. If you're a Utes fan, you need an Oklahoma loss, and then you need an Alabama loss. If you get both of those and you win, and then you're playing for a chance in the playoff in that Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, Alabama Not for the Rose playing Bowl Auburn, playoff. and uh, currently Alabama is favored by nine. Auburn could beat them at that place. At home, I like I, I, I could see Auburn getting the upset, and Oklahoma State, that's in Stillwater. So Oklahoma could easily lose to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma currently favored by 13. Holy cow, really? Opened at 14 and a half, it's down to 13. <laughs> so a little bit of movement. <laughs> oh, man. That's got to be the highest spread in that rivalry in a while, at least. LSU, by the way, 11-0, in play, uh, conference play. They get Texas A&M at home. Uh, LSU is already in the uh, conference championship game, so it's not going to matter either way. Utah State opened as a 13-and-a-half favorite. It's down to 11-and-a-half. How? To New Mexico? To New Mexico. By the way, so we talked about Boise State. Um, they remain really unchanged. In the polls, they're ranked 20th in the AP, 19th in the coaches. They need Memphis and Cincinnati to split over the next two weeks if they want a chance to get above them. And I don't know. I mean, it it could happen. It absolutely could happen. Memphis and Cincinnati are neck and neck, just right ahead of uh, Boise State. 
because the Broncos, they finish out their season this weekend. Uh, they're at Colorado State. And then they'll host Hawaii for the conference championship game on the 7th. So, okay, hey, play the hypothetical game with me. And for, beating just, Hawaii, if they can do that, that'll certainly help them, but play. they need somebody ahead of them to lose. Here, let me, let me, let's, let's just hold this. So I think that'll keep them ahead of Appalachian State. Crystal ball for a sec. Okay. If Boise State jumps up so far in this group of five that they end up being in the Cotton Bowl, they take that New Year's Six as the leader of the group five, who takes a spot in the Vegas Bowl? The winner, or excuse me, the runner-up in the conference championship game or the second-place team in the Mountain Division with the better record? Uh, I think that's a fair question because there's a chance that Air Force could be ranked by the time uh, the season is over. So do they take Air Force instead? And send Hawaii and to send the Hawaii, Hawaii somewhere else? Or do they take the conference championship runner-up and take Hawaii? So that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think you could see it playing out either way about who goes to the Las Vegas Bowl to represent the Mountain West. Do you take the next best team or do you take the runner-up to the conference championship? If I mean, I'm the Las Vegas Bowl, I want the next best team. Yeah, no, I, and I take Air Force. And I would, yeah, I would agree. I think Air I Force, think Air by Force. definition, would be the next best team. So who would they get? Would they get U.S. most likely? Okay, so then here's on, on the Pac-12 side of it, just because this is fun for me. If Utah does not make the playoff, and they go to the Rose Bowl. They go to the Rose Bowl. Is it Oregon that would be in the Las Vegas Bowl? Would Oregon get knocked so far down they'd be in the Rose? No, I, mean, I shouldn't say it like that, but in, to a degree, it is being delegated to the uh, the Ro- or excuse me, the Las Vegas. Las Bowl. Vegas, uh, possible. They could end up going somewhere else to another really good bowl. Uh, Pac-12 affiliated bowl. That's a little bit Maybe higher. they send Arizona State, which that's not that far from them. Yeah. So they'll travel well to that. USC? Uh, USC could be a possibility as I well. I know they've been there a yeah. lot. They'll probably sit well. I don't know if they're sick of Vegas, but... Yeah. I don't think they'll be sick of Vegas. <laughs> I, and, by, and by the way, I like Air Force versus any Pac-12 team. I think Air Force is such a disciplined... Uh, just technique, sound football team. Well, no Pac-12 team has played against anything like that. Yeah. And you can't replicate it in your practice, by the way. You can't. Hey, we need you to run the uh, triple option. Uh, what's that, coach? <laughs> the wishbone. Never heard of it. The dog? I mean, I just... I see Air Force dominate any team that comes out of there. Air Force is effectively ranked 26th. Oh, yeah, they're the just on the fringe. So they're Wait, where are they at in the, the AP poll? Uh, the AP, they're receiving votes, so they'd be 29th. They're still that far down, huh? That's mean. Uh, San Diego State and Hawaii are also receiving votes in the uh, coaches poll. Well, okay then. Did that Hawaii-San Diego State score surprise you? No. The winner did, though. I thought San Diego State was going to beat them. San Diego State has struggled offensively for the last couple of weeks. And we know they have a great defense, but their offense just doesn't Yeah, what produce. happened, by the way? 
And Hawaii wins it 14-11. to 11. Now, the game was in Hawaii. That was San Diego's first loss on the road. They had been undefeated on the road. But the conference, cha- conference division, or the West Division on the line, a chance to play for the conference championship. San Diego State just kind of laid an egg. <laughs> so give it to Hawaii. I mean, yeah. they've had a decent year. Eight and four overall. Five and three in Mountain West play. I, I'm i impressed, but at the same time, I'm disappointed that Hawaii's in the championship game. Like, they need to make it so that the bet, two best teams in the conference are in. Eliminate the divisions. It's not working. Put the, put the two best teams in there. The two best teams are Air Force and Boise State. Let them duke it out. The other score that surprised me, Nevada winning at Fresno State. The Bulldogs just surprised me. Nevada's not really, they're not really that great. I mean, they they have won seven games. I have to give them that. But I thought Fresno State could have and probably should have won that game. So they are out of bowl contention now. If Fresno would have won, they would have had one more chance to get to bowl eligibility. And Nevada is going to face UNLV, and they'll probably get win that game. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, UNLV today announced that they're firing Coach Sanchez, so maybe the team rallies around it and says, hey, let's get one more for Coach. But uh, kind of a surprising weekend in the Mountain West. All right, we're going to take a break. Step aside, coming back, NBA basketball. We'll get you caught up on the Utah Jazz over the weekend. They got Milwaukee tonight here on this very station, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. You'll hear the you'll hear part of the pregame, and then, of course, you hear the entirety of the play-by-play call with uh, David Locke and Ron Boone. And then, of course, some major, major, major changes in the NBA could be coming because they want to mix things up. Are we talking about reseeding in the conference finals and a midseason tournament? We'll get you the details. Eric France and Audrey Salves in Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and LJ Salves here on the Full Court Press, 437 your time. On a Monday, November 25th, we'll recap to you and get you audio of uh, Utah State football. Uh, they're lost to Boise and get you ready for New Mexico this Saturday, 2 o'clock in Albuquerque. Uh, final game of the regular season. A win assures the Aggies that they'll be in a bowl. A loss puts them on the fringe that they may not make it. I think this Saturday is a must-win for Utah State. They yeah, have to have that attitude. Gary, after the game Saturday night, that's who was, was his message to his team. Look, we're at six wins, but doesn't mean we're going bowling. Yeah, bowl eligibility does not mean bowl guarantee. It just means you're eligible. Eric, these this NBA has there's some needed adjustments in it. And um, some have been discussed, and some have been consi- now are, some are being considered considered seriously. A couple of these, and this is just based on ideas that they're discussing for the 2021 season. But there is talk of the following changes. Are you ready for this? The adoption of an in-season term between Thanksgiving and Christmas a postseason play-in, 
and the traditional regular season schedule would be reduced from 82 games with most teams playing 78 to 79 games. Now, there's a small possibility of a team playing a maximum of 83 games based on a possible tournament and playing scenario. For the in-season tournament, the NBA is focused on a 30-team participation that begins with a divisional group stage of scheduled regular season games. Those games are pre-knockout round and would be part of the regular season schedule. Six divisional winners based on home and road records in the group stage. And the two teams with the next best records would advance to a single elimination knockout round. Keeping up, those teams could each potentially compete in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Now, the proposals exist that the uh, that would compensate players and coaches for advancing and winning the tournament. Even with possible passage, the NBA has no illusions, according to sources, that it will get the entire league to make an immediate enthusiastic commitment to the importance of competing for an in-season tournament championship, but it believes that it would come with time and tradition. Thoughts? Okay, so walk this back for me because I'm, sure. I'm slow. No, it's okay. So, <laughs> so there's, there's... right now we have, we play, the NBA plays 82 games. Yep. And based upon how well you do during those 82 games fo- uh, determines where you where you go, like where Bingo. your seed is uh-huh. in the in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, and we can talk about postseason. We're going to get in on just a bit. Yep, hold tight on that. But the in-season tournament has me a little confused. I'm with you. Does the regular season <laughs> just all of a sudden stop? And then we do something different. Is everybody involved? Yes. So everybody's involved. And is it do you, is it single elimination? Uh, it would be. And how, and how really is that any different from just regular season playing games in November and December, like you normally would under this scenario? So do you still have it, the, right, the the tournament you play? You're all you're going to be guaranteed an X number of games. But if you're the in-season tournament champion, what does that really mean? Does that give you advantage in the postseason? Or is it just something to brag about in December? So the, the timing of the proposed tournament, tournament would avoid conflict with major domestic competitors such as the NCAA tournament and the NFL playoffs. Again, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It would unfold well before the All-Star weekend and trade deadline. Part of the rumors, sources are saying, is that because it will help ratings during the dog days of basketball, as they like to call it. So, uh, how? That's my question. How? How is it any different than games? So, so all of a sudden, we're, we've played a couple of, we've played a month of basketball, a month and a half of basketball, then we stop and say, okay, who are the best teams at this point? And then we'll do a little tournament, and if you're still the best team at this point you get the in-season tournament trophy and then we go back to regular schedule and whomever wins that in-season tournament gets may it. not be the still the best team at the end of the year no no but they'll get a nice little cash prize so here's the thing so for example like you saw the cleveland cavaliers versus the, versus the golden state warriors four straight years you knew that who was going to be like those four straight years you knew those were the two teams that were going to come out of both their respective conferences. This allows teams to have something to play for in the middle of the season that might be completely out of the playoff picture. Give them a chance to be able to participate in this tournament, and if they can win it, it's a tournament champion with a cash prize. 
Okay. I, no, no. I mean, when, when I think about it, I say, look, it, it, it's easy to envision a lot of teams, especially veteran teams, you know, who are are preparing for deep playoff runs, uh, not taking the tournament seriously because they're going to be like, look, this thing is a whoopity da. No one cares. Now, at the same time, though, there's no really downside to just why not give it a shot, and if it works, it works. But it, it just kind of rebrands the regular season uh, much more than just being a blah. So you'd have divisional group, uh, a divisional group stage, mm-hmm. and that happens during what it's already in the regular season. So regular season games are just okay. This when you play this game. It's already on your schedule, but it also counts to this divisional stage. Then you have those, uh, I guess you're calling them pre-knockout round games. It's part of the regular season schedule. So then you have six division winners, and that's based on home and road records in that group stage. And then the two teams with the next best records would advance to a single elimination knockout round. So that's where... Because if you don't advance, then you're out. You, you you don't play. So I guess it's like a mid-season break for some teams. But there are teams that could play a, in a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final. And talk about compensation to players and teams for each round that they continue to win. So they have a little skin in the game. Yeah. There's a there's incentive. But again, it's those teams that know they're going to make the playoffs, so they're gonna be, are, are they going to really take it seriously? Are they going to be like, you know, we've got bigger fish to fry than winning a tournament in the midseason in November to Christmas? I like the idea of trying to spice up the regular season. Not a huge fan, especially when they're like, oh, we're going to reduce the season to 78 or 79 games. That's three-game difference. Like, what, what good does it do? Yeah, I mean, the only thing, it seems like odd timing to do it because you have players with non-guaranteed contracts. Uh, the trade deadline is still a month or two away. Um, so whatever happens in November, December, you could be looking at a very different team. Maybe not very different, but a slightly different team that could make you know, a, a difference uh, later on. But you know, maybe participation in this kind of a, a tournament has an opportunity for somebody to, to stand out. And uh, as it narrows down in a single elimination, just one game at a time, uh, adds a little bit of excitement. and gets people thinking about NBA basketball who may not yeah. until after December. I don't So, eh, maybe. I mean, I have to see how it looks on paper. Because really, right now it's just conceptual and I'm still having a hard time understanding why that makes a lot of sense this, you know, this time of year. Sure. Uh, and finally, Eric, there would also be a four-team play-in for the final two spots. Here, get this. This is how it works. Two four-team tournaments featuring the 7th, 8th, and ninth and 10th seeds in each conference. 7th seed would play the 8th seed, with the winner of that single game earning the 7th spot. The ninth seed would play the 10th seed, with the winner of that game facing the loser of the 7 versus 8 matchup for the final playoff spot. I feel like there's got to be more to it than that. If it lengthens, because you're making the seventh and eighth seed jump through another hoop just to earn their spot in the in, in the playoffs. You know how hard it is to make it in the Western Conference, <laughs> and now you're going to make him go play two more games to get well, there. Well, I mean, it does open up more teams to participate, which I don't have a problem with that. If it's a single game, 
Okay, so it's, you're not lengthening this, the postseason dramatically. Kind of like the Major League Baseball wildcard game. It gives more teams opportunities. Do you think it, not completely, but you think it reduces the desire to go tank a season away? Well, I don't know about that. But if you're in March, late March, well, even middle of March, and you're kind of on the cusp, in, in a few years past, the NBA Western Conference has been so good that even if you're kind of on the fringe, uh, there's a good, still a good chance you're not going to make it. You're not going to make up enough ground because the teams ahead of you were always going to be, they weren't going to slip. But you get more teams involved. It's about money. You get to sell more tickets. You get to have more games on TV. But it also, yeah, I think you're right. If if you know that you're not going to be a top eight team, maybe you still stay competitive for those last couple of weeks to still be that number nine or even that number 10 team to get one more game. Now, for example, last two of the four playing teams in the East would have been this. Detroit, Charlotte, Miami, and Washington. In the West, it would have been San Antonio, Clippers, Kings, and Lakers. Now, the gap of these teams was only a matter of three wins. Uh, while in the West, the Lakers would have had the chance to salvage the season loss to LeBron James in you know, the whole injury. But without the playing tournament as a lure, the Los Angeles Lakers probably would have rested its franchise player for an entire month of April. Now, the opponents, I guess, or the, the devil's advocate side of the playing tournament would have argued that it devalues the regular season. Because the 7th and 8th seed teams, again, like I said, would have to jump through an extra hoop just to claim a playoff spot. But what I like about it is, like you said, it gives these teams, like if you're, in, if you're sitting in 11th and a game out of 10th, you're going to try and go out to get that 10th, you know, that 10th playoff spot, that final playoff spot. Right. It does make, in theory, it should make those last couple of weeks still compelling and interesting for, for more teams. Uh, because by, by April, by late March, a lot of teams knew they, if they were going to make it or not. And then once they knew that they were out, man, they're throwing all their bench guys in. They're th- playing all their rookies. Uh, and it got really sloppy and really ugly and uninteresting. But if there's a bigger window for more teams to participate, then maybe those last couple of weeks are more interesting in the NBA. I mean, the best teams, they're fighting for a better position in the home court. Uh, but those that are out of the playoffs, you know, they're... Why? I mean, why even yeah. really go all out? doesn't really matter. You're just trying to develop your young guys at that point. But I, the other thing I do like is this opportunity to reseed some things and just have the best teams play each other, regardless of Eastern Conference, Western Conference. Uh, you, we've seen you do. too many years where uh, it, the, the de facto NBA championship was in a conference championship. Fair enough. All right, we got to take a break. Come back. We'll close up the first hour, get you ready for the second hour, which will be all Utah State, including football, which we do need to talk about, including basketball, which we do want to talk about. Uh, we'll get all the audio as well from Coach Anderson, Caleb Rep, Cameron Haney. Uh, and then you also hear from Coach uh, Smith after their win over North Texas to clinch the championship in the Jamaican Jersey Mike's Classic. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Amadze Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, 
The fan. The Aggies, Jazz, high schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Hi, everybody. Audrey Salveson here as we wrap up the first hour, 454, your time here on a Monday, November 25th. We'll get you ready for Utah State basketball talk and uh, as they get, get home from Jamaica and uh, after completing the island sweep over LSU coming back from 19 and then North Texas uh, holding North Texas scoreless for the last 4-11 going on an 11-0 run to clinch the championship and now they get ready for the St. Mary's Gales. Friday night, that's a 9.30 Mountain Time start, 8.30 Pacific. Um, Aggies don't move up in the polls. They stay at 15. In fact, a lot of that poll uh, stayed pretty quiet for the most part, 1 through 15. Utah State football will get ready for the New Mexico Lobos on Saturday. Bob Davey, will he have a job? By the way, UNLV's coach was let go. Tony Sanchez let go earlier today. Uh, the, the coach from Bishop, uh, high school where he had a starling record, then came to division one college football and found out things the hard way left with the losing record. Does Bob Davey last after this year? He's had some health problems, obviously, but there's more than that. There's also a problem within the program itself where it hasn't been held to the standard that it really should be. And uh, and he's a big reason why. Speaking of coaches that will no longer be at Utah State, uh, or excuse me, in college sports, I should say, college athletics, Jerry Finkbeiner will not be returning to Utah State uh, uh, women's basketball as their head coach. Um, in fact, uh, he's, uh, he's stepping down. I uh, remember earlier this month that he, uh, he was taking a medical leave of absence for a non-life-threatening health condition. And so after that, he has, uh, it's been officially announced that he will not uh, be, uh, the head coach. In fact, uh, the associate head coach, Ben Finkbeiner, will oversee the program and be the interim head coach for the remainder of this season. Second hour coming up. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Early on in their Super Bowl run, the Patriots didn't have a high-powered offense. They won with special teams, defense, and timely plays from Tom Brady. Now that we're on the other end of the dynasty, the Patriots once again look like that team from the early 2000s. They beat the Cowboys yesterday with defense and special teams. The sloppy weather contributed to the outcome, but that's basically been the story all year long with this team. That might make some fans a little uncomfortable, and Brady doesn't like it much either. But they are 10-1 and and working towards having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The difference between New England style now compared to then is how much offense there is in the league. You'd expect that the Patriots are going to be in a shootout at some point, and we'll see. Bill Belichick's mentor Bill Parcells always said you are what your record says you are. The Patriots' record says they're great, even if the wins aren't quite as pretty as we're accustomed to. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.